The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DKHOOPS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome in to NBA Pulse, a production of iHeartRadio in the NBA. I'm Sarah Kustak, NBA analyst for the Yes Network, and today is Tuesday, January 10th. And from our terrific core group of NBA journalists, we're joined by NBA.com's senior writer, Mark Medina, who, uh, Mark, you just did you, you did something pretty fun here at the midseason point, your NBA midseason survey, of which you survey 30 beat reporters or columnists um, that represent each NBA market. You got two from New York, two from LA, asking about 40 questions to kind of gauge what their expectations are for the second half of the season. You ready to dig into some of this? Let's do it. It was a, it was a lot of fun questions, a lot of interesting answers. Yeah, it, it was fun to look through, um, and I know our listeners are going to enjoy digging into all of it. The, some of the things, though, the the highlighted things that I'm most curious about, of course, what, what else do we want to know about other than the finals? Who are we going to see in the finals? Who's going to win the East? Who's going to win the West? Um, and it, it was interesting to see just how much stock was put into the these Eastern Conference teams. Um, high percentage of individuals thought that it would be Boston, 57% winning the East behind them, Milwaukee at 33%, Brooklyn at 10%. Uh, what's your take on that trust in in what they've seen out of Boston so far this season? Obviously, a uh, anticipation of repeating their trip back to the finals. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think that there's a lot of elements in play here where, you know, the Boston Celtics are only a season removed from their NBA Finals loss against Golden State, and they primarily have most of their core together. A few additional pieces with Malcolm Brogdon, as well as a really good head coach in Joe Mazzulla, who replaced Ime Aduka before the season started. And so I think when you compare East versus West, there's a predominant feeling that it's going to be 
the Celtics and the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. There's some optimism about the Brooklyn Nets because of their recent uh, resurgence after uh, dealing with adversity early in the season, but it really seems to come down to it's the Celtics and the Bucks and everyone else. The Western Conference, it just seems really wide open. There's some relative optimism that the LA Clippers can have a bounce back in the second half of the season, presuming that they're healthy, and 34% of the voters think that they'll wind up uh, being in the NBA Finals. But when it comes to their chances of actually winning the championship, only 3% of those voters chose the Clippers. 57%, as you said, chose the Celtics uh, and believe, hey, not only are they going to rectify the finals loss last season in Golden State, they're going to then re-up in that arms championship race against the LA Lakers with getting uh, an NBA league record 18 titles. So it should be interesting. Tatum against James. Tatum for the title. Yeah, Mark, you said, I mean, that that to me was a big surprise. I think you look at the Clippers roster, obviously, Ty Lue, championship pedigree as a coach that can win a finals. They've got the roster construction, um, but just getting healthy, getting together, having time on the floor together, that surprised me that they were the number one pick um, for these individuals to think that they were the team that will represent the West in the finals. Yeah, I think there's a lot of elements in play here. I think that, A, the ones that voted for the Clippers are holding out uh, optimism that they're going to have that fully healthy roster, most notably with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. They have a lot of faith in Ty Lue as a head coach. He got a lot of votes uh, as among the leaders of, hey, who's the best coaches to make in-game adjustments or right or put together ATOs after timeout plays? But the reason why it's so spread out is not all those voters hold the same level of optimism about the ability for the Clippers to stay healthy long term, but it also goes into the fact that there seems to be more of a wide open race in the Western Conference. There's, they don't have those predominant leaders that Boston and Milwaukee represent in the East. So when you look at down the line, you have 30% of voters voting for the Nuggets to get to the finals, 23% voting for the Memphis Grizzlies, 10% voting for the Golden State Warriors, and 3% voting for the Dallas Mavericks. So for the first time and I think a lot of recent years, the Western Conference feels a lot more wide open, uh, juxtaposed to you know when the Warriors were winning championships where it felt like, hey, everything will run through them. Yeah, and that's interesting to your point of just to the dominance that people feel that the Eastern Conference is now. And you mentioned the Warriors. Um, they were tops in, in getting votes for a second half run right behind them. The LA Clippers, the area where the West is dominant is the race for the MVP. We're going to get to that right after this break. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DKHOOPS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back. Sarah Kustak joined by NBA.com's Mark Medina, who is just uh, released his NBA midseason survey. A lot to look into. Fun of seeing uh, expectations of all-star starters, personnel moves from the offseason, defensive player of the year, sixth man of the year, uh, promising young cores. Good stuff to, to take a look at. Uh, but let's talk MVP. Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, Mark, it's runaway for both of those players um, in the expectations of these writers and columnists of who they think will end up ultimately hoisting that trophy. Yeah, I, I was really surprised about the results with this MVP race because there just seems to be a lot of good candidates. And in fairness, this is the halfway point of the season. Plenty can change until some of these voters have to cast their real ballot. But as of now, Luka Doncic is getting 43% of the vote. Nicole Jokic is getting 40% of the vote. And when you look at some of the other candidates, Jason Tatum, he's only getting 7%. Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's only getting 7%. Kevin Durant, only getting 3%. So it really feels like there's this collision course between two international stars and Luka Doncic and Nikola Jokic. Uh, it was also interesting when you look at the votes for the all-star starters, Nikola Jokic and Luka Doncic were also players that received a vote from every single voter. Uh, Nikola Jokic got 30 total votes in the, as a front court candidate. When you look at Luka Doncic, uh, 24 voted for him as a uh, back court player, six voted for him as a front court player. So regardless of the difference of position, there's no debate. The voters see them 
as definitive all-star starters, as well as uh, heavy favorites to win in the MVP. And I think the other subplot of this specifically is when you look at the Western Conference and their optimism about these two teams, Dallas as a whole, as a team, was only ranked as the 10th best team in the NBA right now, and there were no votes for them to win the NBA championship. And so it's really going to come down to, are voters going to reward a Luka Doncic-type player that is keeping this team just afloat to make the play-in tournament because of his brilliance? And that drew rim, it's still Are they going to reward someone like Nikola Jokic beyond for his brilliant play, but the fact that he's on a winning basketball team that could compete for an NBA championship? You never know to what extent that variable is going to go into play in the MVP uh, voting process, but we know that that is always a factor that voters have to think about. And in one other factor, the three-time-in-a-row MVP, Nikola Jokic, if that happens, would put him in such an elite, elite class that um, I'm curious how much that goes into the thought process of some of these voters. Bones back to Jokic, and Jokic has eclipsed the 40-point barrier, a new season high for Joker. All right, at the top of the things, MVP, the the individuals everyone's talking about. Are we talking about Tyrese Halliburton enough? You asked who's the most underrated player in the league in Halliburton uh, with 13% of the vote, Shea Gilgis-Alexander with 10%. And, um, you know, part of the other, other questions you asked were about surprise storylines. And in fourth on that was Indiana's start in Halliburton, a major factor in that. He has been tremendous, tremendous since being traded um, from Sacramento. Uh, did that surprise you seeing him as the most underrated? And um, what did you th- see when you when you looked at this, given how extraordinary he's been playing this season for the Pacers? Yeah, I, I didn't surprise me in two cents. I mean, I thought it was interesting, but I think the, the reason why my eyes didn't necessarily pop out when I was reading the results are twofold. Um, Indiana's strong start has been a surprise in and of itself, and Tyrese Halliburton is a part of that ever since that midseason trade involving the Sacramento Kings and the Pacers last season. And Tyrese Halliburton was always been seen as this really promising young player, but we don't know exactly what his trajectory is. No doubt everyone knows he's a good player, but is he an all-star caliber player? Is he a superstar? That remains to be seen. Halliburton for three. He made it with 2.6 left. Tyrese Halliburton with 43 points. Uh, I think the other thing that we have to keep in mind is when we're looking at the leaders in this category, it's not a majority vote. It's a plurality. He got 13% of the vote, and there were a lot of different candidates. Uh, You know, some of them were just single votes. Um, But I think no doubt, even if it's a plurality vote as opposed to majority, uh, it really highlights the special things that Tyrese Halliburton has shown, both as an emerging young player, as well as, you know, really helping the Pacers ever achieve. Because I think we all thought entering the season that at this point, the Pacers would be about developing the young players and worrying about their lottery odds. And now they're part of the mix as far as being a playing contending team in the Eastern Conference.
Yeah, and speaking of him as a young player, um, promising young cores, Memphis got uh, the most percentage of votes behind them, Orlando, New Orleans, Cleveland. I have to be honest, I was a little surprised that Cleveland wasn't a, a little higher in this. Memphis, I think, uh, goes without saying that with what that core has done, what they've already accomplished. Um, what stood out to you about the way voters voted in this scenario? Yeah, I think what's interesting is... Um you know, what, what voters are evaluating. I think Memphis got, you know, they got 43% of the vote um, and they were seen as the leaders because look, they do have a promising young core, but also they're a playoff team that has a lot of deep aspirations to not only make a deeper push past the second round, but to be one of the championship contenders. You look at the Orlando Magic who finished second with 20% of the vote. Uh, they're not going to be in the playoff picture, but they have a very enticing rookie in Paolo Bencaro who overwhelmingly received most of the votes for rookie of the year. Bencaro guarded by Aldama. Nice spin. Foul! And Aldama's on the wrong end of that deal. I believe that he would have been the unanimous pick if not for one voter uh, that chose otherwise. So uh, I think in that case, it is a team that has a lot of promise long term. I suspect Cleveland finished fourth with 10% of the vote because they have a mix of some really young, promising young players, but they also have some established veterans, most notably their off-court acquisition uh, or off-season acquisition in Donovan Mitchell. But I think what was interesting is that when you compare Memphis and New Orleans, no doubt in the present time, they had a lot of young talent that can compete now, but New Orleans finished third. They had 17% of the vote. Um, I thought that they may have uh, ranked higher, but you know, I think that that's a testament to how strong uh, the Grizzlies are, as well as the enticing young town in Bencaro is with Orlando. Yeah, it's been fun to watch all of these young players and a player that's in his sixth year in the league, uh, Lowry Markkinen got the the most votes or the highest percentage of votes for most improved player, uh, which has been fun to watch. I mean, he was a number seven overall pick by Chicago. He had spent his first four seasons with them, then to Cleveland, and it felt like there was so much promise and uh, not necessarily his ability to put it together. And then here with Utah, the season averaging almost 25 points per game, over eight rebounds per game, two assists. Uh, what, what's your take? And he's been red hot from the three-point line. What What's your take on on marketing and the potential he has to win most improved player? Yeah, I think he's a, a shoe. And now in fairness to Shea Gilgis Alexander, there is going to be a, another candidate fighting. He got 33% of the vote, but marketing got 53%. And I think it's very much in line with what I expected because uh, there's two things here in play. The Utah Jazz, they were another team that were not expected to be competitive this season because of uh, their two massive trades last summer with uh, Dio and Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert in separate teams. Um, but Laurie Markin is a huge reason why they stayed afloat with posting career highs. And I know talking with him, you know, a, a few, last month uh, about his strong start, he really uh, drilled it down to the fact that Will Hardy, the first-year head coach, has really made him feel comfortable with his role. And the system itself, they're putting him in a position to succeed where he's gained a lot more touches. Here's Marketing. Drives paint. Oh! Oh, Marketing with a flex as he went over Buzovic. And the Jazz's culture is all about ball movement. Whether you have a guy like Mike Conley, who's known for running a steady offense, or Jordan Clarkson, who's known traditionally for 
you know, being a guy that's all about scoring, both guys under their system, it's all about passing the ball. And so he really feels invigorated with that team-oriented uh, culture. And I, I think that also last summer, the fact that he played with the Finland national team, that really helped get him into shape and get this really strong mindset uh, that really emboldened his confidence entering this season. Mark, this this is fascinating. As I said, there's so many questions, so many things, so much to dig into with all of this. And so I know our listeners will enjoy uh, reading your NBA midseason survey on NBA.com. And we look forward to seeing you again sometime soon. Hey, Sarah, appreciate you reading the interest and uh, we'll, we'll pot it up soon enough. All right. NBA Pulse with Sarah Kustak, a production of the NBA and iHeartRadio. Please rate, review and subscribe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. 